All right, everybody, welcome to another edition of What's What BR. Today, we have two special guests. We have Major Don from the Salvation Army, as well as Greg Merriweather. A couple of you probably know Greg here in town, but Don, you've run running the Salvation Army over there and got a lot of things happening. Uh, tell me, you know, kind of what's the status, state of the union over there right now? Well, yeah, so we, you know, the Salvation Army has been in Baton Rouge for 115 years this year. So we've been around a long time still. Um, always serving every day. So through COVID, we've picked up some new things of making sure families have food and, and doing our part. Food insecurity, especially in North Baton Rouge, is still a big issue. Um, so we're making sure families have food. We're going out with our mobile canteen, our disaster canteen, three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And we're serving in some underserved areas where kids who come from really some disadvantaged places make sure that they have a hot meal several times a week and um, provide them food. So they're all taken care of. So along with everything else the Salvation Army does in our community, those are some new things we're doing um, because of the, the COVID-19 and making sure that the people in our community are, are taken care of and their basic needs are being met. Awesome. So way well, first, I appreciate that. You know, it's a lot of people have had to put, you know, business on hold or, you know, step to the side and say, you know, we're going to retool and figure it out. You know, you guys, obviously that's not an option, you know, to, mm -hmm. you've got to keep going. Um, I've talked to a lot of people on this show and, you know, most people have, you know, an IT, you know, disaster recovery plan or a hurricane plan. You know, I've yet to meet anybody who had a pandemic plan, mm -hmm. you know, of, you know, yeah. what we're going to do. So it's awesome to see that you guys have been able to mobilize, you know, as quickly and keep programs and those things going. Um, Jumping real quick, you know, Greg, how are you affiliated? I don't know if a lot of people know, you know, your affiliation, but, you know, kind of what's your affiliation? Where do you drive that support? Where does that come from? Well, the Salvation Army right here, we have a terrific advisory board, and I've been on that for a number of years. And um, I, I, I think, and, and I think this will probably resonate with a lot of your folks out there, is when I thought of the Salvation Army, even growing up or even when I got here to Baton Rouge, I always just thought of the guy out there ringing the bell for the kettle. I, I didn't even think about the fact that they have these, the, one of the main programs that we do here is literally helping people get off of drugs and back into society. And, you know, with the opioid epidemic that literally just took over um, a lot of the country, that mission became so important. And so I, I think when people walk in Walmart and they, they see somebody out there ringing the bell, they know the Salvation Army, they know if they give, it's going to go to good, but they don't necessarily know exactly what it does. And unfortunately, sometimes you meet us, the Salvation Army, in, in the worst spots of your life. And there are so many people, and I, I promise you that the major can attest to this, there are so many people in our community right now, and I saw some in the food lines the other day, that have never had to do this before. They're, 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 you know, you have some people that are on a cycle of poverty, unfortunately, and it, and, and it unfortunately gets passed through generations. But you have some people through all of this whose you know, wife, the guy we met the other day, his wife was diagnosed with uh, coronavirus, so she went to the hospital. He's got two kids at home, so he's trying to keep them away from all of that, so he can't go to work. And then all of a sudden, this middle-class man who never would have dreamed of having to reach out to the Salvation Army or the food bank or anybody is having to do that. So it really does put that into perspective. And I know so many people out there are struggling right now. And you might be that guy who's the middle class guy who usually helps out the Salvation Army and you're needing help. So it is a little hard for these charities right now to get that help because the people who usually help them aren't really in a position to do that. So uh, we had talked about uh, just a minute before we started this. There are little things that you can do that still help us out, though, 
you're at your house right now, clean out your closets, get all that good stuff that you don't want to see there anymore, and then donate it to us. And then we can turn that into literally life-saving programs. It's not a cliche. I mean, it literally changes people's lives. And I have seen it with my own eyes. That's, so that's right. So you guys are still accepting donations. Is How do people get the donations over there? Is it Can they bring it you know, over? Or is it something that you guys are you know, able to roll a truck and pick up? Yeah, we're doing both of those things. So if somebody needs a pickup done at their house, they just need to call our number at the Salvation Army, 225-355-4483, um, and just tell them they want to schedule a pickup. And we're out three days a week with our truck doing um, pickups. We also have on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, a truck in front of our building. So um, having as minimal contact as, as you're comfortable with, you can just pull up, pop your trunk, open a door, and our guy will get your stuff out of your vehicle. Um, so there's lots of ways to give clothing, household goods, those things that move into our store that help us fund our programs. That's awesome. I have to give a somewhat of a personal PSA, and it's kind of sad. But um, I was probably 16 or 17, and a friend of mine, we were I was still obviously living at home, and we wanted to you know, clean up the attic and we were going to set up an area to do some work and put some things. And we went and asked my mother, like, Hey, can we clean this up? And she was like, yeah. And we we're like, okay, cool. We're going to get, you know, rid of things. And we literally saw like just trunks, um, bags and boxes of like baby clothes. And we we're like, nobody needs this. And so we like just started loading everything into the back of a truck. And she was like, what are you doing? We're like, Oh, we're getting rid of this stuff that we don't want anymore and taking it to the Salvation Army. We literally drove all the way down out by Grimmel Springs, made the donation. And then, a couple of days later, she came up and saw what we, you know, had done and goes, well, that's awesome. What'd you do with all this stuff? And we go, what stuff? She's like, all those baby clothes. We're like, we don't have any babies anymore. We got rid of it. We gave it away. She about lost her mind. So don't do that without <laughs> checking. <Yeah. laughs> right. So like, none of right. yes. myself, right. you know, my siblings, nobody, you know, I had gotten rid of all of it. We tried to go back. They helped us. <laughs> it's just not like to go through, but it was just so many donations where they never came back. So that's my PSA, you know, careful, right. be selective, talk with mom, talk with wife before you make the decision if you're a guy on what to donate and get rid of. So well, I can promise you, you're not the first guy that that's happened to. <laughs> we see that occasionally. So we always so, try to do our best. Yes. So, well, tell me, you know, major, unfortunately, due to all of this, the hope gala that a lot of people know mm -hmm. had to be canceled. Um, right. And that, you know, ties, there's some, you know, back to the kind of pathways of hope, you know, for kind of what happened there, the cancellation, obviously we know what happened there, but what's the plan or, you know, what can people do to, you know, possibly still help on some of these events? Sure. So outside of Christmas, the gala is our second largest fundraising event of the year. And, and most of all of that support goes to our Pathway of Hope program. So just to quickly tell you about Pathway of Hope, our case managers work one-on-one -on -one with individuals, typically single parents with children who've been living for generationally in the cycle of poverty. And so we begin to work with them one-on-one. -on -one. Our case manager will, will work, set some goals, set some dreams. What would it look like for you if you could be independent and not living on the system? Um, what does that mean? A, a job? your own place to live, a car that works, your children, you know, functioning. And, and, and so we begin to help families set those dreams and then begin to um, help them set the goals to get there. Maybe it means some medical issues you need to take care of, some educational issues you need to take care of, um, getting a better job, 
um, beginning to improve your life. And so we'll work with a family for a year to two years, um, beginning to help them set goals and, and achieve them. And um, sometimes that sounds really easy. I try to do it in this thing. So, you know, how, how many times have you started a diet and you just stopped <laughs> because it got hard? Mm-hmm. Or you set some New Year's resolutions, you know, and I'm going to exercise every day. And man, after that third or fourth week, you just go back into your old routine. And so if you think about families who've lived in generational poverty for years upon years upon years in their family, and it's all they know, it's a tough cycle to break. Um, but we yeah. work with families who, who, who graduate and, and make it in life. Um, the statistics we're told is that a child who grows up in poverty has a 37 times, not 37%, 30 times more likely to continue to live in that cycle of poverty unless something happens. That's got to be an 11. Our Pathway of Hope program is that thing that can break the chain. If Mm -hmm. a family's really serious about wanting to get life back um, and be responsible, um, our Pathway of Hope can be one of those things that helps them. I think that's got to be, you know, I love the name, the Pathway of Hope, because that's, to me, being on the outside, unfortunately, I haven't had the chance to work closely with you guys on this, but, you know, to me, hope is the key. You know, that's where it's got to start, right? If you don't have, if there's no hope for, if you're just going to sit there, you know, if somebody, if you're just stuck, you know, it's like, hey, this is the way it's been. This is the way it was for family. You know, the first thing you've got to do is, you know, sell that hope, you know, yeah. and say, look, there is a way, there is a path. We can help you, you know, through that. And so a lot of people may not know that that is a big program that you guys are doing. And yeah, so, hope is, is one something? of our big words here. Um, our shelter is the center of hope, our program, the pathway of hope. Hope is a big sell um, that if you can give people a dream and, and begin to give them some tools that they can achieve that, man, hope becomes a driving force that's, that's powerful in somebody's life. And that's you know, be exciting, hope, Greg. Well, it is because, I mean, I, I've literally seen it firsthand, but I mean, um, hope for some people can be a spark plug. It can be a carburetor on a car. We, we, uh, a couple of years ago, we, one of the case managers literally got a call from a woman who was on the right track doing, she already got her a job. She was doing her best, but on the way to work, her car breaks down. And so now she's completely stuck for some of that. Most of us during normal times, that's an inconvenience for her. That was almost the end of the line. She's worried about losing her job because she can't get there. So this case manager goes out there, brings one of her friends along and there they are repairing the car and trying to get this woman back literally on that pathway to hope to, to go. And that same woman, I literally sat at her kitchen table and I mentioned, we sent a letter out to uh, a lot of the folks that normally come to the gala and support us. And I put this in the letter because it still just sticks with me. I sat at the kitchen table with this, this family, this, this mom and her teenage daughter, and they're both working on high school work. The mom is getting her GED and the daughter is, is in school and doing her thing. And I mean, if that doesn't touch you to see that, that, you know, literally to break that generational poverty and not just keep passing it down, passing it down, passing it down and like literally interrupt it, stop it right there. So that teenager who's watching her mom get her GED will not be in this program, will not need government assistance when she continues to grow up and will be able to support herself and her family. And just, it's one of those things. I mean, we learned so much from our parents growing up and Mm-hmm. Most of the time, we hope it's good stuff, but you know our parents pass on even bad habits that we eventually get with our wife or our husband, and they're like, why do you do this? And say, well, this is just what I've always been taught to do. And Normally, it's innocent things, but sometimes in a lot of families, it could be, this is how we support ourselves. This is how we do things, and, and we want to break that and literally interrupt it as best as we can. 
And I've seen Absolutely. it happen. It, this isn't just smoke talk and, you know, oh, we, we, you give money and you never see what happens to it. And it goes off to some national organization and then you, you might or may not see it. I mean, I literally see what happens with the money you give here in Baton Rouge, right here in our area, like touching people and, and helping people. And, you know, you might not want to be able to, you might not even have time to get your hands dirty and go down and help somebody. But it, just by giving, sometimes it literally can just kind of radiate through the community. It, it, it's an awesome thing and it really does work. And it's changing, you know, I think as you're saying that I'm picturing, you know, literally the family tree, you know, has changed, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. from that moment on, you know, it's almost you can throw, you know, a mark or you could draw the line. And what's, like you said, you can see the difference. You could actually, you know, draw the line and go, here's where it started. And this exactly. is why it started. Not 100%. because of some big initiative out of Washington, not exactly. some big, you know, press release but it's like no some a caseworker reached out found someone brought them in you know got them a meal started having meetings like you could pinpoint it down to a day and go this it's, is the first step on that path absolutely yeah. it's the closest thing to your church you know it's not as you mentioned it's not some big government bureaucracy where there's all this red tape i mean so many of our people have been through disasters here and fema is such a great thing but when they come into town it's like you've got to go through all these hoops and all this kind of stuff when you give to a place especially a local charity like salvation army you have, you're giving to that caseworker who's going over and changing spark plugs. I mean, you're, you're doing that type of thing where you're not having to call and get approval for a grant and all that. Now, we do use grants and all that, but you're literally, people are just able to put their hands on somebody and help them just right away. No, none of this bureaucracy and all this other stuff, you're able to just get right to the folks. That's that's something I was talking with a friend of mine, and I love the way he said it, especially, you know, you guys are saying, you know, the bureaucracy's out, but just the times that we're in right now. One of the things that I like the way he said, it, he goes, you know, Brandon, the rules have changed. You know, mm -hmm. the old rules are out the window. You know, if you can help, you know, if you can oh, do something, come and do it. You know, there's not the, the analogy that I used to give or I've been giving for the last couple of weeks was, you know, if I went and got a bunch of, you know, PPE equipment, you know, and put it in the back of a truck and decided I'm going to get into that business. If I wanted to go sell that to a hospital, you know, it's like, oh, I got to go work with purchasing and go through POs and got to go through all these different things. But like now it's almost like I could pull up, you know, at the front door and be like, you know, look, I found a bunch of this and I wanted to help, you know, those kind of things. And so what I like about that is the rules and the times that we're in it changed that for a lot of other organizations and a lot of different things. But that's where you guys are initially. You didn't have to pivot to that. It's going money that you're giving, the way that you're helping, it's a direct impact. You know, you're pushing that going to the caseworker trickled all the way down, which I think is amazing. So with that, you know, you guys have had, you know, that's, I know there's other programs. Is there other programs that, you know, have you had to pull down or scale back programs? Have you started anything new? You know, I hate to beat, you know, the pandemic, you know, that we're at, you know, because I think we're all there and we've heard the story, but obviously, you know, just to kind of give everybody a status, you know, or is there anything that you've had to suspend? Have you started anything new? Is there any other programs that, you know, maybe somebody can help with, you know, right now? Yeah, there are some programs we had to suspend. Our, our youth programs, one of the things we do at our community center on um, West Brookstown Road is we have a spa program called School for Performing Arts that kids who after school can come in on, and on Monday afternoons, they can take three or four classes in, in brass, in piano, in drama, in art, um, lots of different things that they can take a class. Kids who are involved in the arts statistically are proven they're, they do better in school, um, teaches discipline, um, helps them feel good there. And so 
our, our school for performing arts because of restrictions of meeting together. We had to stop until um, school starts in the fall again. We also do on Wednesday a character building program for kids in the um, North Baton Rouge, um, just teaching kind of like scouts a little bit, but um, teaching badges, learning new experiences, growing. Um, so those programs we've had to stop um, because of the social distancing issues. Um, but a lot of our main programs have cut. We, we have our, our Shelter of Hope, um, houses um, 50 to 60 men every night. Um, and that's been up and running. In fact, we've gone because of, you know, this, this shelter at home thing. So how do you shelter at home if you don't have a home? Um, if you're homeless, and there's some of the most vulnerable um, folks in the community when it comes to COVID-19. So where do they go to be safe? So our shelter that is normally an evening morning shelter has gone to being a 24-hour shelter um, during this time. And so it's a place, so it's caused us to have, you know, more staff time, more meal time, more activity time. Um, but our shelter's been um, expanding services during this time. Um, Greg touched on that one of our main programs is we have a 50-bed drug and alcohol program. Um, and so men who want to recover from drugs and alcohol, we have a, a well-established pro residential program. That's six months to a year, men come and stay with us and begin to learn some new skills and um, new life and new healing in their life. And um, those programs have continued to, to, to go on as well as our social service programs. Um, we're still here every day um, serving people. Speaking of serving, I heard uh, you guys served over 24,000 hot meals. You know, yeah, that, that was our number last Friday. I've not seen the new number to the end this week yet. Um, but yeah, we're serving in our homeless shelter um, meals every day. I'm here in just a little bit when we're done with this conversation. Um, I'm going to take off the official clothes and, and jump in our, our mobile canteen and we'll go out into some underserved neighborhoods here in North Baton Rouge that, um, I don't know, it's touched my heart. I've been really moved doing this. Um, we, we visit a trailer park every Monday, Wednesday, Friday and bring hot food that still hasn't recovered from the 2016 flood um, trailers that are still devastated that people are living in. Um, and so it, it looks like a quiet neighborhood um, in this trailer park until we pull in with the canteen and start beeping the horn and all of a sudden children will come out and families will come out and um, we're able to give them a hot meal and um, begin to build some relationships. So um, good and bad in this, it's caused us to see some neighborhoods that we haven't always seen. Um, and I'm excited about what we're gonna be able to do there and, and see and how we can help and maybe begin to change some things in some families' lives through Pathway of Hope, through our youth programs, through our own social service initiative. Um, and it, it's a predominantly Hispanic neighborhood. So I'm also learning enough Spanish to, um, to talk to people. So um, it's, it's, been a, it's been a great experience to kind of get out to and, and serve in our community. Awesome. And, uh, I was just going to say, uh, Major brought up the, the kids. And, you know, a lot of times uh, we get moving in our lives and, you know, we think, you know, that person can help themselves. You know, they're not doing enough to help themselves. But, you know, these kids are always innocent in all yeah. of this. And so a lot of times when you, you do that help, it does trickle down to those, those little kids. And that hot meal for that little guy or that little girl that uh, the major will yeah. feed later on today, it's, it's going to improve their day and it's going to improve their life. And uh, real quickly, I, one of the reasons why I got involved with Salvation Army, um, I grew up in a middle-class family. I mean, we 
were nowhere near poor. We weren't rich, but we were nowhere near poor uh, in Kentucky. But my mom and my dad both, they grew up in different times during the uh, uh, late 40s and early 50s, and they didn't have a lot of money. And I remember my mom told me that uh, she was like uh, her, her parents, she was the youngest of 10, came to them and said, you know, we're probably not going to have a good Christmas this year. So, you know, don't expect a lot of stuff, blah, blah, blah. And she told me the story that the Salvation Army truck came around and gave them all dolls. And so she kept that doll and like that was her big Christmas. And like to hear my mom tell me that and then see that she was able to better her life through all and then give me a life and I'm able to better my life and then get, pass on to my son, that kind of good thing. So I, the kids is what really matters. So that giving that simple doll or the meal that the major will give today in that trailer park could affect that little boy or that little girl that is going to grow up to raise Brandon, raise Major Don, raise Greg in the future. And then we do better with our kids and we move on from there. So it really can help out. That's amazing. You know, I think, and I don't even know where it ties in, but I just, it kind of touched when you were talking about, you know, giving these hot meals out, you know, from the truck. I've watched my kids, you know, as we all are, you know, been at home, you know, I'll watch them kind of run around in the backyard. And then all of a sudden I've got a 12 year old daughter and seven year old twin boys. And they'll just be, they'll stop what they're doing. They pop up and they just go run. And at first I didn't know, I'm like, what are they doing? And they go run to their rooms and they run back and I just hear them screaming, you know, ice cream truck, you know, and they're <laughs> right. running out and they get that excited. And, you know, that's my kids for ice cream truck, but I'm, you know, it's got a, you know, it's got a touching kind of where I'm picturing, you know, it's like, these are kids that are running out because it's a hot meal. You know, my kids never, I'm like fighting. I'm like, would you please come in? Would you please come and sit? You know, it's, mm-hmm. these kids are, you know, excited and running for a hot meal, you know, and a lot of people don't think about that or they maybe think about it and then kind of push it to the side. And, you know, you may not be that one that can go out and actually ride in the truck or, you know, maybe you don't have time to prepare, but, you know, we talked about it before and you kind of drive us in, you know, these donations that people can make, you know, whether it's a monetary donation or if it's, you know, things that you don't want in your house, you know, these things are able to be taken, you know, brought into the stores, you know, turned around, you know, and sold, you know, to help fund, you know, some of these programs and different things like that. I don't, you know, Greg, are, are all the stores, are they not open right now? Are there plans to get them open? You know, are you with the donations? Is that, you know, Hey, that's something that we've really trying to get to where we can get them back open or, you know, what's the story there? Major, you want me to you want take, take that one, Greg? Yeah. So, yeah, well, yeah. We opened our store on Corsi yesterday. So that's okay. really exciting news for us. Um, we opened our store yesterday. Um, we're getting ready to open a second store in a couple of weeks on Greenwell Springs. Um, our own property where we are in our campus, um, our store is still not open from the 2016 flood and are still working through some issues there, but we're really excited. Uh, the Holmes family um, of Holmes Hardware has been very generous in letting us use um, a building for a period of time. And so um, we're getting ready to open a second store there um, in a few weeks and there'll be news, but our store did open yesterday. And it's one of the main, one of the big ways is a steady income for us. So people who donate clothing, household items, furniture, just about anything that is, is capable of and is in shape to be resold, will resell in our, our store. Um, and those proceeds come to help us run our programs. Um, you know, a, a, another thing that surprised me, um, it, we want you to obviously give us, you know, I mean, we don't need 
stuff that's got stains on it or anything like that. But there are times that that kind of stuff will show up or stuff with holes in it and stuff that can't be sold. But the Salvation Army, it's just as efficient as they can be. They take those clothes and those different things and turn them into rags. And then we sell those rags literally to these industrial shops. And sometimes it's $10,000 you'll get for a bundle of rags. And imagine that a, a charity like the Salvation Army taking $10,000 and what they can do. So, I mean, it, it, I, I, there's just so many things that people I just don't think think about. And, you know, shopping at a thrift store may have its own connotation, but, you know, there are kids at LSU that, you know, need a Halloween costume, uh, dresses the seventies or whatever. So they go in and they get, you know, the seventies clothes or whatever they want or make a costume out of that. And, you know, that's not taking any money away from somebody else who would want to go in there and shop. It's actually putting money back into uh, the community. And maybe you want to redo a dresser or something or play with chalk paint and do something like that. You go in, find a, a cheaper piece of furniture, turn it into something cool. I mean, there's all kinds of things you, you can do at these stores. And the Corsi store, what's cool about that is, is we actually, you know, a lot of people don't want to drive all the way down to Airline or Greenwell Springs. Uh, you know, times have changed. People just don't go in certain parts of town anymore. But, you know, there's a whole different section of folks that go to Corsi and are up and down through there. So it, that's been a really a, a big blessing for us. I live uh, down the street from the Corsi store and I was going to bring it up and you kind of touched on it, but I'll just kind of try to drive the nail in. You know, I hadn't shopped in, you know, a thrift store and, you know, God, I couldn't even tell you when, but I went there and it's not just, it's not just the clothes. I've got a, I ended up buying a picture with a big, huge frame that was extremely, it like hangs in my living room, you know, yeah. now. And my, you know, my daughter was, this was, she we found my wife found some old, you know, cassette tapes, you know, from like a dance team or something like that. And then we had some CDs and she was there and she was like, what is this? You know, and I was like, you can play music and there's a radio. Let me explain, you know. And so we bought it and picked it up and she's got it in her room and she just loves it, you know, but it's things, it's more than just clothes. It's like, there's pictures, there's the knickknack. It's all these little things that, and it's, I think we left out of that whole place and we spent like, you know, $47, you know, it was like, <laughs> Normally it would cost me $47 to walk into someplace, you know, right. and start looking for one thing. So I'd encourage everybody get out, you know, and go take a look because what it's unique about it is it's a little bit of everything, you mm -hmm. know, it's not like I'm going into just a gift shop and I'm finding, you know, things that are traditionally a gift, but it's, you know, there was an incredible amount of clothes. There was, they had like a window AC unit when I was in there, you know, it was everything that you could imagine. And so, with, you know, I guess to kind of, we could go on that, you know, forever, you know, but is there, you know, major where traditionally people think, I think we talked about, you know, Salvation Army, they think that red kettle, you know, or they think the angel tree, you know, we're, we're, it's, we're about to hit June, you know, we're halfway through yeah. this year. And so just like when we had the flood here, I'm sure there was, you know, a lot of people had some concern on, you know, everybody was working and focusing on themselves, you know, is that giving season still going to be there? You know, do you, do you guys have any, you know, thoughts or impact on, you know, will this affect, you know, will we still be able to get the red kettles out? Will we still be able to accept, you know, donations? You know, what, how do you think that's going to affect this season? That's a really good question. And if you have a really good answer for that, <laughs> I would love to hear it. Um, there's no doubt it's going to be a challenging Christmas season. What it's going to look like, I don't know. As we said kind of earlier, we're kind of writing the rules here as we go. Um, I, my hope is that stores will be up and running by Christmas and, and we'll be able to do that. But we're also preparing for it not to be. Um, and we're working with our, our um, social media folks to begin to look at what online giving might be able to increase. Um, 
virtual red kettles that Brandon, you and your family could sponsor a red kettle and encourage people to give to it. Um, lots of ways that we're looking at expanding how Christmas can work. Because for us, it's just the lifeblood of what we do. Um, and a lot of people think of us as a Christmas charity. And of course, we're so much more than that. But as Greg has alluded to, those, those kids who are going to get toys and families who are going to get food and seniors who are going to get a visit and nursing homes, there's a lot of things that go on at Christmas um, that are so dependent upon that red kettle and people's giving. And so um, we're looking, oh, we're starting now, figuring out how this is all going to work out. I'll have to, uh, just before, literally before everything shut down, I was in um, St. Pete Beach, you know, over in Florida. And this was, this is my best idea I can give you on the spot. They, and I've never seen it before. And I have a picture of it. There was a guy, we're at a little, you know, bar and he was over in the corner. You know, it's the one man guy, you know, strumming on the guitar and he's got, you know, his little sign out and it says who he is. And it's got the, you know, bucket, almost like a red kettle underneath taking, you know, fuel to give him tips. But I give the guy credit. Like I said, I took a picture. He had a big drawn up, you know, 11 by 17 with the big QR code in where people could scan and said Venmo tips, you know, yeah. right across it. So you could sit in the audience and just hold your phone up, you know, and scan his yeah. little barcode. And so, yeah. it, you know, yeah, maybe we're we getting there. Yeah. On all of our signs, we have Google or Apple Pay. People can just on every kettle sign we have out in front of the store is the QR code that people can just take a picture of it takes them right to our giving page. Um, so awesome. there's lots of ways for people to give. And is that, what is, you know, to kind of bring us around the corner, you know, here, what is it that you guys need, you know, right now the most? Is it, you know, would it be, you know, food? You know, everybody's collecting PPE these days. You know, we've talked about clothes. Is it monetary donations? You know, for somebody, you know, who's busy, who's going, you know, we know our lives and it does take a lot. You know, I've got family that goes down, and, you know, serves in the kitchen and, you know, I probably should be there more often myself, you know, right. but it's like for, you know, when you just feel you can't do it, you know, it starts, you know, one place, you know, it's like you said, you've got the QR codes where you can go literally just from your phone and do it. You know, that's the Amazon model, right? Make it yes. frictionless, make it easy. So start there. But what is it that you guys, you know, in a perfect world, if you could say, look, you know, over monetary donations, we need this, or is it no monetaries right now because our stores are closed? Well, there's no doubt monetary giving is probably the easiest and the best way to give, um, mostly because my buying power is often stronger than your buying power. Um, so if you go and you buy a few things, you're going to spend a certain amount of money for that. If you if I take your donation and lots of other people's donation, and instead of buying a few dollars worth of food, I'm buying a few thousand dollars worth of food, I can get a better price. Um, and then we can buy as we need and, 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 and take care of people's needs. So not to sound trite, but, but monetary giving is just really the best way because the buying power is so much stronger um, when you do that. But two, food, food is always a necessity here. Um, for our food boxes and, and people we're serving. So if you're out shopping, pick up a few extra things. Those things are always helpful. So think about kind of the staples that you use every day. Um, the, that's what families need, you know, pasta, spaghetti, sauce. Um, all can that be brought meat. to the uh, Corsi store? Yeah, they can, you can drop it off at the Corsi store. You can bring it to our, our airline location. Um, there's, there's lots of ways that that can be given. Um, again, and as Greg kind of started this all, uh, again, not to hammer it, but just clean out your closet. If you're, if you're home and you got some time, 
clean out your closet. We'll make it as easy for you. Put it out on your front porch. We'll come pick it up. Um, and, and it's just that easy. And, and we can turn that in. And again, as Greg said, there's no waste. If we can't sell it in our store, we'll recycle it. We recycle clothes and metal and just about everything we can. Um, very little goes to waste. So there's lots of ways for people to give. That's awesome. Well, Greg, is there anything you think we could add, to, you know, here that we're missing or, you know, anything from if somebody's wanting to help or you guys looking for more help on, you know, that advisory board or, you know, anything in your you know side of the house over there? Yeah. Well, I, first of all, I want to thank you, Brandon, for the opportunity because we'll reach a whole lot of people through this. And it was a really good idea that, that you guys came up with. And I know so many businesses are brainstorming and, you know, what can we do and how do we change our reach to people? So I, I certainly appreciate this. And then for you to take it a step further and give a charity like the Salvation Army a, a chance and the airtime, it, it's, it's very valuable to us. So we do certainly appreciate that. And I know the major does as well. So, but I, I would just say that it, if you really do just search in your heart and, and we, it's so easy, you don't have to give $500. You don't even have to give $50, but obviously we'll take it if you do, but there's so many different ways that you can give for everything from cleaning out your closet to monetary donations. But uh, Brandon, you were talking about your kids in the backyard and uh, some of the things I've seen that I've always been impressed by is sometimes families will use it as a teaching moment for kids. They'll, they'll say, you know, look at our house, look at what we have. We are blessed. Let's go help somebody else that's not. And it could be something as simple as you don't want to wear that that you wore last year. So let's go donate it. And the, the kids get to see it. Then they come in the store. They see what's going on. And it just it, it, it's a really we talked about breaking the generation um, cycle of poverty. But you can also create a new cycle in your kids and just show them that, hey, you know, let's give back to the kids that don't have this, you know, let, let's take whatever you were going to buy on, you know, on your Apple music or whatever the kids are doing these days, you know, and give back. And I, I think so many people are so surprised that it, it like sticks with kids and it like gets in their spirit. And so that's always been a good thing for us. As you say, it's exactly, you know, we've run, you know, a lot of times, you know, people, you know, the analogy I could kind of, you know, first come to mind is, you know, a lot, everybody in Baton Rouge seems to go to the beach during the summer. You know, it's like, half of the town leaves you can't get any business done you know but why is that it's because we all grew up every year you went to the beach you know you mm -hmm. went to the beach you know my wife and i you know started when our kids got you know old enough to where you know when we start getting around that you know thanksgiving you know christmas because they know they're going to get toys. it's like no you've got to go donate you know and mm -hmm. what we hope is that that instills you know like we teach them you know you go earn money, you know, and you also need to give money and you need to save money, you know, and you need to donate to things. You don't just go throw it into the trash, you know, and get rid of it. Right. And I think as they grow up doing that, it just becomes almost, you know, what it's the cycle change, you know, that's if you never grew up volunteering, you know, in a kitchen, you know, or, you know, going and giving some of your time, you don't think of it. And then you maybe see a program like this and go, yeah, here, I'll write a check. Great. We'll take it. Well, we'd love it, you know, but we all, you know, why don't you write the check and bring it to us in person, you know, in the kitchen, right. you know, or why don't you come mm -hmm. help us sort, you know, or bring your kids, you know, and, you know, so many people right now are not in the office and they're, you know, you go online and you see people, they're bored and I've cleaned my house. I've done everything. What can <laughs> I do? Come on down, you know, we'll mm -hmm. take the help, you know, <laughs> call the major, you know, call somebody, you know, it's more than, it's not just helping you. If you bring your kids, you know, you're literally instilling a value into them that you can't tell your kids, you need to go volunteer, you know, your time. As you get older, you need to go do this. They need to see you do that, you know, and it just needs to be something that we do. You know, we go to church, you know, that's what we do. We give so much of our time. And I think, 
as parents, you know, right now, you know, I talked with um, Shelly Ripple Rogers from Crawfish Aquatics, and I love the way she said it. We've been given the gift of time, mm. you know, and let's use that, you know, do your flower beds. That's great. But, you know, find some time, come down and help, you know, like you said, clean out the closet and you've got time. Some people don't have the time. So if you've got the time, throw it in your car, drive it down. Don't waste, you know, a truck having to come. You guys have got plenty of things, you know, probably to do. So come down, see the operation, you know, get a warm up to it. You know, don't just, you know, come down, meet some people maybe. So I think that might be a good way to, for people to get started. Yeah, and our Corsi location is right next to Home Depot. So when you are doing the flower beds, put the stuff That's in right. the trunk and swap it out. There you yes. go. I like that. Drop off, pick up. You know, you just make the big <laughs> U, you know, through there. Well, look, guys, I appreciate the time. I really do. You know, to get this message out, I think it's important. Um, I'd love to have you guys come back and tell us, you know, hey, what's the update? You know, how are the stores doing now that we're open? Or, hey, here's what we've decided to do, you know, with the, uh, the gala, you know, or, you know, the fundraiser. I read... Um, I'm talking with a company yesterday. They actually, now they're doing virtual events yes. and it was crazy. I think they had it best. They were doing where, you know, everybody went to these virtual event, but they literally had like a roulette, like a chat kind of roulette thing where it's like you'd jump in and they would have you talk to somebody for three minutes and rotate to the next one. And then you could mm -hmm. donate money at the same time while you were, you know, taking part of it. So maybe you guys find some cool things like that. Yeah. Love for you to come back, tell us, you know, what things are and Hey, like everybody I've said, you know, the COVID situation is kind of like our weather here. You know, you wait five minutes, it'll change. Mm -hmm. So maybe come back in a week or two and tell us, you know, what do you need now? You know, how can we help? You know, do we feel that this, you know, kind of moved anybody? We'd love to be a part of it. Yeah. Well, thank you, Brandon, for having us. Appreciate it. Thank you, Greg. Always appreciate Greg's support and his, his help with, with everything we do. Um, he's so engaged with us. We're, we're blessed to have him and thank you for some time today. It's always fun to, to talk about our story and, and share what's really happening in our city. Exactly. Anytime you've got some news, you've got a, you've got a venue here with us. So thank you. We appreciate it. Thank you, Brandon. That. Thank you, Major. Appreciate y'all. Yes. Thanks, Greg. Thanks guys.